I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services recently issued a proposed rule that would modify the HIPAA privacy rule to extend additional protections pertaining to disclosures of reproductive health care information to law enforcement. The proposed changes come in the wake of the Supreme Court last year overturning Roe versus Wade, which resulted in more than a dozen states so far restricting or banning abortion. Under the HHS OCR proposals, reproductive health care would be defined to include, but not limited to, prenatal care, abortion, miscarriage management, infertility treatment, contraceptive use, and treatment for reproductive-related conditions such as ovarian cancer. Today, I'm speaking with attorney Kathleen McGee, a partner at law firm Lowenstein Sandler, and a member of the firm's tech group about the significance of these proposals. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you so much for having me. So Kathleen, just for starters, just for clarification for our listeners, despite us having the same last name, we're not related. So going back to the HHS proposed changes to the HIPAA privacy rule for the protection of reproductive health care information related to law enforcement, if those changes are implemented as proposed, do you think they will indeed help better protect the privacy of patients' reproductive health care information and why? I certainly do. And I think they'll also have a beneficial impact on providers of that critical health care as well. Um, there have been some loopholes uh, in healthcare privacy for some time, and that really was because compulsion by law enforcement, you know, a subpoena could get you past um, the sort of HIPAA blockade in protecting privacy of people seeking medical care. Now, in the proposed rules, and we'll have to see how, how far they get, in these proposed rules, anyone who is seeking a medical records of somebody who's, who's been provided um, this type of reproductive health medical care um, is going to have to sign an attestation that they're seeking it within the parameters um, prescribed by HHS, OCR, and that would enable, um, it's sort of an additional set of hurdles, because if one is signing an attestation and they're sending it under false pretenses, for example, getting the information and then using it for a purpose that is specifically pres- uh, you know, prohibited under these new rules, then they could themselves face criminal or civil action, rather, um, for uh, perpetrating a fraud or an otherwise signing a false instrument, I'm projecting here, but that is how I would imagine it would go. So I think that creating this additional legal hurdle and um, additionally protecting and mandating that these healthcare records cannot be used effectively against an individual if the medical care and service records that are being sought relate to services that were provided lawfully. So, for example, in a state where abortion is still permitted under law. So, Kathleen, with that said, you mentioned you know potential loopholes. Might there still be any loopholes under the proposals if they're finalized 
for how any of this reproductive health care information might still be vulnerable to uses or disclosures to law enforcement, even if the patient doesn't want those disclosures. For instance, under the proposals, can those disclosures to law enforcement be made about patients who live in states where abortions are restricted or banned, and if those services were indeed provided in, in those states? Well, that is certainly a possibility. I would say it's not so much a loophole as an unfortunate but necessary omission. You cannot, at the federal level, make impose on a state what the state has deemed illegal through this sort of rulemaking authority. So unfortunately, if I was to receive reproductive health care in a state in which that particular type of health care is prohibited, then you might be able to obtain those medical records under legal compulsion. So I, you know, whether or not you call it a, a loophole or you call it a, a an unfortunate limit to what HHS OCR can do, I think what they're trying to do right now is protect the currently lawful healthcare treatment from being utilized against people who might, for example, cross state lines to seek said medical care and to protect the providers who are servicing those patients. So Kathleen, do you anticipate the HHS proposals might get pushback from some members of Congress or law enforcement or courts or others and why? Well, certainly. I mean, the political becomes personal here, and there's certainly a, very much a reason why HHS OCR is feeling like they have to promulgate and propose these new rules in the first place, um, because necessary healthcare, medical care is being taken away from patients who need it. I think that this is, as a political issue, a political issue that has frankly had a, a blowback effect for people who promulgated the pro prohibition laws in the various states. And so I certainly, I think no one here has a crystal ball. I do think that they're going to face some resistance. I am though very hopeful that this will pass through after the notice and comment period, but it really is, if we're just talking from a legal perspective, and especially in terms of the sanctity of personal information, that is the most private type of it, of personal information, your healthcare information, it should absolutely be protected at all costs, frankly. So I, I applaud the maneuver and I, I hope that it passes. So Kathleen, if the provisions as proposed are finalized, what are some of the potential challenges that you anticipate covered entities and business associates might face in implementing the new changes? I think so, some of this is really just going to be figuring out the mechanics of attestations. This is also additional paperwork and requires, frankly, the person who's providing healthcare records with the, they have this additional hurdle of seeking the attestation and reviewing it. I think that they're probably going to be protected if they provide then the information, but it does call into question motive for seeking the records in a way that really wasn't, I think, there before. And so it does put an additional burden on a, you know, a small medical provider who um, already has a, has a lot on their hands on the day-to-day. -day. I think that there are additional concerns. Obviously, they're going to impact 
malpractice insurance potentially. And I think as well, the additional burden of finding out that someone may have signed an attestation and then that attestation was inaccurate. Like I talked about at the start of our conversation. Well, then what do you do? If you are a medical provider who's provided those medical records under false pretense, you can certainly seek redress under the law, but that costs money as most legal action does. So it's another burden on a provider or a, a patient who, if they want to seek redress, going to have to take it to the courts. And that's always a financial burden for people. And Kathleen, how might it affect some of the larger healthcare provider organizations that operate facilities in multiple states? You know, there's some you know, large organizations, they have hospitals in you know, many states, they might have clinics in some states, but as we see with state privacy laws, it's sort of a patchwork. Now, all of a sudden, you have a patchwork of potential states that either ban abortion or certain services, and maybe the organization has operations in some of those states, but not all of those states. Is that going to be harder for those sorts of organizations to kind of sort through if this rule does get finalized? So I haven't thought through the particulars of how one would validate or draft these attestations for people seeking this very sensitive type of medical healthcare record. But I do think for the larger nationally based or regional healthcare providers, they are going to have to think very carefully with their legal providers about not just record keeping and maybe segregating records based on certain servers, but also thinking about how they're how they're collecting the records, what jurisdictions have permissive healthcare regimes and which ones don't. I, I am sure they are already thinking about this. There, there's no one who's providing medical care who I think is not thinking about this right now. But uh, I can tell you as someone, you know, part of Lowenstein Sandler's pro bono work, we do a lot of work providing legal advice to regional healthcare providers in the space, and they are all still figuring it out. So I think this is just at this point, one more thing to figure out. And Kathleen, besides this proposed rule from HHS OCR, are there any other top health data privacy and security issues that you're keeping your eye on right now and why? Well, it's not it's not a healthcare issue per se, but it's a data security issue. And um, that really has to do with geolocation. I think that in a day and age where everyone has, or almost everybody has a smartphone or a device that's capable of GPS tracking, but doesn't necessarily know how to minimize their footprint when they're traveling to a sensitive location to receive healthcare, for example. I think that the collection of that sort of information is always concerning to me. We're seeing a rise of local jurisdictions where certain types of healthcare are restricted, seeking geolocation information from clients or you know, from clients on particular individuals where our clients might be in the ad tech space and provide geolocation tracking for advertising. Whether or not they are entitled to that information is a matter of whether or not our client has to or even can honor an outside jurisdiction's legal process. But that is also, you know, catching my attention as I see various states trying to figure out how to determine where an individual was at a particular time. 
So Kathleen, finally, prior to you joining Lowenstein Sandler, you were a bureau chief of the Bureau of Internet and Technology for the New York State's Attorney General's Office. And we've seen the New York AG's office take a variety of enforcement actions in cases involving data security and privacy issues, including HIPAA violations. What's your assessment overall on how active state AG offices are in terms of jumping on potential violators of state data privacy laws and or HIPAA violation cases and those sorts of things for that matter. Do you think state AGs could be doing more to promote and enforce better data privacy and security practices in their states and how? Thank you for the question. I do think that state attorneys general are really where the battle is fought for the most part because they have, they can compel injunctive relief and they can compel you know, financial penalties. And there has been uh, over the last, you know, certainly 10 years, a, a wealth of activity at the state level, not just in New York State, but across the country, as well as a real proliferation of state-by-state state privacy and data security laws. You know, Washington State, I believe, has just put forth one that has a private right of action for example, which is, you know, a rising concern for companies that perhaps are trying to do their best, but nevertheless have a data data breach issue or a privacy gaffe, but really can be used as a sword by consumers to protect their security rights and, and privacy. I'd note that OCR will allow states to pursue HIPAA violations, but it's permissive. It's not it's not by right that a state can enforce those laws. That said, I think that at least under the current landscape, um, the federal government and OCR would do well to let states that are interested in helping out, help out, um, and perhaps even find some ways to collaborate because I do anticipate that there are going to be increasing efforts to try to find ways to circumvent privacy laws to get a hold of information that can be used to pursue prosecutions of people just trying to seek uh, necessary medical care. And that would certainly contravene the intent of these rules. Well, thank you so much, Kathleen. I've been speaking to Kathleen McGee. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.